the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio. Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life that you were created for and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus said in John 10.10. And today we continue in this series called Jesus Has Left the Building and rediscovering the biblical Jesus as today Pastor Sean is teaching from the book of Luke in a message called Jesus the Man of Prayer. And Sean suggests that's the open door to a deeper relationship with the Father. This is Real Life Radio. Our series is called Jesus Has Left the Building, Rediscovering the Biblical Jesus, and this whole thing, this whole really more than a series, it's a campaign, is all about following Jesus. We're reading the Word together. We're hearing every week different aspects. We're shining a light on who Jesus is, on his character. We're doing things in our, to our, our very, the best of our ability to, to hear his voice and do what he says, which is really the essence of discipleship. Everything we do here is about following Jesus. This series is just one series or one campaign that we're walking through, but God understand, guys, at the core, this is what we do. We desire to follow Jesus. I had a meeting with uh, the leaders and the volunteers and servants of this fellowship uh, this last Monday night and uh, talk to them about specifically what we do, why it matters, your unique place in it, their unique place in it. And we asked the question, what exactly is a win for River City Community Church? It's very easy for the church to think a win is, well, we're open another week. We didn't crash and burn. Somebody showed up. Thank you for making it another win. We appreciate it. We had enough money to keep the lights on. Thank you, Lord. And I mean, those are all cool things, but is that really what this is about? Is this really about just kind of making it from Sunday to Sunday? Because it's very easy in church life to get caught up in that and go, oh, wait a minute, why are we doing it? We got hundreds of volunteers around this place that make all this happen. Why do they do that? Well, because what else would they do on a Sunday morning? What else would they do with a free weeknight? They have nothing else to do. Yeah, that's not actually true. This ministry couldn't happen without them. What is it that we do and how do we know? And the question we ask is, how do we know if we win? River City Community Church wins. And talk a little bit about sports teams and football teams. One of the cool things about teams is they all know clearly what it means to win and what it means to lose. They know what it looks like when we win. We've scored more than the other team. We win. What does it look like for us to win? And here's the second question. Why does it matter that we win? I think that's an important question. Because otherwise you can just go, well, this is just about us and us kind of, you know, this is what we've always done. So Sunday mornings, what else would we do? We have to do this, right? Yeah, when the church sinks into that, the church ceases to be effective. Because people eventually figure out that's not really God's heart. That's not what this is all about. Here's what I told the leaders, and I want to tell you, and I want you just to start kind of throwing this around. I want you to understand this. What a win for us is, is very simply this. More people passionately following Jesus. That's a win. More people passionately following Jesus. Do you understand? That is a measure that is, it is quantitative. 
Like, there are people who aren't here yet who need the love of Jesus. I can't imagine what it would be like to get up every day and think this is all just an accident and none of it really matters and we're just here for a little while and gone. That I have to face every day alone that it's just some cosmic accident. So we believe more people are supposed to follow Jesus and that's our assignment, that's our mission. But it's not just more people. See, it's not just a a quantitative goal. There's a qualitative goal. More people passionately following Jesus. More people going deeper. More people taking steps of obedience that they've never taken before. More people in the word and seeing the power of the word as they live the power of the word. More people passionately following Jesus. That's why we exist. That's it. And when that happens, when more people are actually passionately following Jesus, we win. That's what we do here. And then I ask the question, why does it matter that we win? Real simple. Because the alternative is hell. That's why. Because the alternative is hell. Eternally. And that's no game. And even here on earth, life apart from Jesus, brokenness. In people's lives, beginning the preparation for hell right here on earth. And then ultimately going into an eternity separated from God. That's why it matters. So every volunteer, every person who serves, every person who ministers, they understand that idea. And I want every one of us to understand. What does a win look like for River City Community Church? Say it with me. More people passionately following Jesus. That's it. That's what a win looks like. And why does it matter? Because the alternative is hell. And see, this is a holistic thing. That's why we had this hands and feet Saturday thing that we want to start to, to prime the pump. Yesterday, just yesterday, one day, had 70 people engaged at four different locations that they hadn't been at before, that we weren't serving before, and just went and served. That doesn't include the folks who served on Friday night with a regular Haven for Hope ministry of the homeless. And that doesn't include all the things that groups do and that people do. It's just a reflection where this church going out and saying, you know what, more people passionately following Jesus, that's why we serve the poor. That's why we do what we do. I just want to say it was an awesome time. I got to be at a couple of locations yesterday morning and just some great folks from River City just serving, loving Jesus. Um, we're going to have another one of those in November. I encourage you. The, the cool part, and, I, and again, that's not the only day we serve and are the hands and feet of Jesus. But what that is is for us congregationally to together say, hey, this is what it looks like. Now I guess I could do this lots of different places. But I encourage you, it's fun to do it together. And it was very, very cool. A great, great time. Now, this morning, I want to acknowledge something that I think people have been commenting on and I think maybe you've noticed. As we're reading through the Gospels with this fresh kind of perspective of Jesus has left the building, rediscovering the biblical Jesus, I think there's a lot of surprising things you see about Jesus. One of them that I hear people comment on is how direct and blunt he could be. I mean, I don't think we usually think of Jesus as direct and blunt. Even seemingly hard looking Peter in the face when Peter's totally outside of God's will and going, get behind me, Satan. It's like one of his best friends. Jeez, how's he treated his enemies? Well, he calls calls them broods of vipers. That's hard. Jesus was direct. He was strong. He was focused. That's kind of, you know, that's the Jesus you see cleansing the temple and making a whip out of cords and driving the money changers out because he says, my house is supposed to be a house of prayer. And he's passionate about it. And he turns over tables and you're like, dude, lighten up. 
Yeah, he didn't, wasn't going to lighten up when it came to the house of prayer being turned into a place of commerce where people couldn't even really seek the Lord. And that's very much in contrast with sometimes I think, and excuse me for this, but the, a little bit of a feminine Jesus that I think we were sometimes presented growing up. You know? When you look at him actually on the page and you see what he actually did, you realize, wow, he was really strong and passionate and bold in the way he did his ministry. Another thing that I think was, I pointed out to you, I think a couple weeks ago, how amazed he was by faith and how much he was just, how when he saw faith in someone, he chose to stop and point it out multiple times. Look at that, look at that faith. Another one is how often we hear about Jesus' joy. He was overjoyed and he spoke with joy. He prayed with joy. That kind of stands in contrast to the somber Jesus full of sorrow that I think we are sometimes presented. And, and please don't get me wrong. There were, short description of the Bible, it does say Jesus wept. There was sorrow that Jesus experienced because of brokenness, sin, and separation. But he was also many times just full of joy. Would it shock you to think that Jesus must have been funny? He created us. Hello. Jesus had to be funny. I mean, because... I, I think humor is a type of, of intellect that looks at the world differently and just has a, and God created it. Jesus had to be funny. And when you see some of the stuff the disciples did, you just have to know Jesus had to crack up every once in a while. Just go, oh Lord, what am I doing? But today I want to talk about something that may be the most surprising thing as you look through and read about Jesus. Mark 1.35 says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. People were clamoring for him, but he had to get up and get away, get quiet and pray. Luke 5.15 and 16 says, Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. But the crowds, Jesus, it's working. It's awesome. The crowds are here. Isn't this what you want? And yet he would withdraw to a quiet place and he would pray. Luke 6, 12. One of, these, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. He spent the night praying to God. The reason this, I think, is a little bit surprising is we know the doctrine of the incarnation. The doctrine of Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man. Why would the one who the scripture says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, talking about Jesus. Colossians says nothing was made that wasn't made through him. Why would he need to pray? Here's a question, and you know, we know the answer, but it's still kind of like, well, how's that work? Who does he pray to? Let's take a step back. And I think the reason this is sometimes a little puzzling to us is because of the nature of our prayer. How do we pray? We pray when we're in trouble, Okay. Oh, God, help me. Oh, Jesus. It's amazing. And like, I, I just, I think everybody, if, if I could just record their prayers when they're like, kind of their car's out of control, they're on ice or something, they start praying, you know, you know, Jesus, take the wheel. I mean, you know, that's kind of the thing, right? We pray when we're in trouble. We pray when we want something really, really badly. Last year, when the good forces of the San Antonio Spurs were playing the evil forces of the Miami Heat, we were praying. Oh, we were praying. Oh, game six, I'm still not over it. I know it's a little too soon. I just remember that we were praying. And you feel guilty for praying, Lord, because this really is good versus evil. It's not just basketball, Lord. It's not just a game. This is light versus darkness. 
seriously, after, after we lost game six and then ultimately game seven, I, 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 my son, you know, because he and I were really into that, I, I, I had to talk him down. Moving to Tibet or something. I don't, I don't know why he was... We want to take a quick minute and remind you you're listening to Real Life Radio, a service of River City Community Church right here in San Antonio, Texas, in this series called Jesus Has Left the Building and Rediscovering the Biblical Jesus. In fact, you can find this whole series on the sermons link at reallife.org. Plus, at the site, see all the great small groups that are available to get connected with. Plus, ways River City Community Church is giving back and serving the community, doing things that you can do with your whole family and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Again, that's at reallife.org. River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and we believe that we were made to have a life full of meaning and passion that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life is. Now, for us, real life has a bit of a double meaning in that this faith of ours is also a relevant thing to the real world. It works in real life. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts your home, work, and social world. That's why River City has a relaxed, casual feel where we enjoy practical teaching, inspirational music, and age-appropriate discovery for the whole family. We want to help every single person find the life they were created for. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road, across from Atama Park. Sunday service times are 9 and 11. Our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out everything you need to know, stop by our website at reallife.org. We look forward to meeting you on the road to real life. Welcome back as we return to this message called Jesus, the Man of Prayer. This is Real Life Radio. We pray when we or someone we care about is sick. I think we should. The scripture tells us to. We pray at football games just because the government says we can't, doggone it, and we're going to pray. But the question is, why did Jesus pray? That's really the, the question, okay? The reason I think we have a hard time is because sometimes we pray in ways that maybe we go, okay, that's not exactly how. But what about Jesus? Why did he pray? A couple quick responses to that. First, I think Jesus prayed to share his heart with the Father. He prayed to share his heart with the Father. I love this prayer. It was the return in Luke chapter 10 of 72 of his disciples. Verse 21, we read, At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. Now look, he's joyful, and he just erupts in prayer. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. They'd had a great time of ministry. Jesus is so overjoyed, he just starts talking to Father like he's standing right there which I guess omnipresence means he is. And he just starts talking to him. His heart overflowed with joy and erupted in prayer. Matthew 26, 38 and 39. Then Jesus said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. This is the garden of Gethsemane to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground. And he prayed, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Do you see how he's talking with his father? Jesus, isn't, he's not bailing on the mission of the cross. He's just talking to the one who he's closest to, his father. Jesus prayed to share his heart with his father. This close, ongoing conversation that you see him having. Second reason Jesus prayed is Jesus prayed to clearly hear the father's voice. In Luke chapter 6, we read this passage, but I want to read the next verse. 
Luke 6, 12 and 13. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, spent the night praying to God. Listen why, and listen what happens in the morning. When morning came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them whom he also designated apostles. We see Jesus on several occasions spending the night in prayer, spending significant times in prayer before big decisions had to be made or before big transitions in the ministry. John 12, 49 through 50, listen to this. For I did not speak of my own account, accord, this is Jesus speaking, I didn't speak of my own accord, but Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. He prayed to clearly hear his Father's voice, to get quiet and to listen. A third reason Jesus prayed, he prayed because he understood, I think, the limitations of the flesh. He understood the limitations of the flesh. Now, how many of you have seen the movie Gravity? Oh yeah, not nearly enough of y'all. Y'all need to get on this. Uh, Very cool. And I have not been a big 3D fan. I saw it in 3D. It's way worth it. Okay? Go see this one in 3D. The technology is amazing. But it's this depiction. And they begin by telling you some things about space. The inhospitable nature of space towards life. You see, space is as close to a pure natural vacuum as you're ever going to get. There's no friction because of that. Just this vacuum. It creates an issue with temperature. On Earth, temperature is defined in terms of kinetic energy of the surrounding atmosphere. The temperature of a vacuum can't be measured that way. Instead, the temperature is determined by the measurement of radiation. And bottom line, in space, the temperature in outer space ranges from negative 454 degrees, which is almost as close to Chicago, where I came from, okay? Not quite, but close. Negative 454 degrees. That's not wind chill, folks. There's no wind, okay? Negative 454 degrees Fahrenheit to, in areas closer to proximity to the sun, 4.6, 4.7 million degrees Fahrenheit. Absolutely unlivable. Of course, in space, there is a lack of oxygen. But interesting, the lack of oxygen isn't just, okay, there's no air for you to breathe. Because of that lack of oxygen, there's, there's a totally different atmospheric pressure or lack of pressure. The human body experiences rapid decompression in space. And I'm not even going to read you all the stuff. I had one of the team members get me some research. It's gross stuff. Absolutely gross stuff that happens if a human body is just out in space. It's not just, oh, I can't breathe. Because of the pressure, the body goes through all sorts of really horrible contortions before it dies. That's why the space suit is so important. And in this movie, Gravity, you see some cool stuff with spacesuits. You see some that have packs giving them air and pressurizing. You have others with a line, a line. It's funny, as I'm watching that, I'm like, it just reminded me of how Jesus looks at prayer. I think the third reason Jesus prayed is he prayed because he understood the limitations of the flesh. Prayer, fundamentally, now uh, listen for this, Prayer is the atmosphere of heaven, the atmosphere of eternal life, the atmosphere of the spiritual life. That's what prayer is. Jesus knew better than anyone how inhospitable this world is. 
This atmosphere, or lack thereof, is to the Spirit, which is eternal. Listen to what he said in Matthew 26, 40, 41. He returned to his disciples, this is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and found them sleeping. And he teaches something here. He asks them a question, but listen to what he says. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. And then verse 41, he says, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body or the flesh is weak. Prayer deals with this reality that our spirit desperately needs support and encouragement because the flesh is weak. We understand the three enemies that we face when we want to follow Jesus, right? We understand Satan, the enemy of our soul, the very real spiritual adversary. Scripture says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We understand that the world system, some people just say the world, and the Scripture often says this world, not of this world. But really, it's the world system. We're not talking about the people aren't our enemy, but the system, the spiritual system that is set up. And it has all kinds of rules, norms, structures that are devastating to and contrary to our faith and then the third is the flesh so it's like the enemy's got an ally right within us our flesh our flesh which wants to serve self wants to put me as number one and not father as number one wants to undermine everything that the spirit wants to do galatians 5 there's this war against the flesh and the spirit the fruit of the flesh or the works of the flesh are these the fruit of the spirit the produce the product of the spirit are these love joy peace long suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness self-control Jesus understood that, and prayer was because he understood the limitations of the flesh. Now, I want you to listen to this one simple and profound statement in John chapter 10. Jesus is speaking. Remember, he says, I'm the good shepherd. He talks about that. And in verse 27, he says, my sheep, his followers, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. So... What we can understand, please, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down because I want you to remember it. You can't follow Jesus if you can't hear Jesus. You can't hear Jesus if you don't pray. Bottom line, that's what I want you to take home with you today. You can't follow Jesus if you can't hear Jesus. And you can't hear Jesus if you don't pray. Now, this whole conversation that we're having is about following Jesus. We said a win for us is more people passionately following Jesus. So we talk about following Jesus all the time. But we blow right by this foundational understanding. And I think there's a fourth reason that Jesus prayed. And I think it's simply to make sure we know that our life depends on it. As much as those astronauts depend on the air that comes from their suit or the air that comes from the line to their ship, in the same way that they understand, without this, I'm dead. Jesus wanted us to understand, without prayer, spiritually, this whole following Jesus thing is impossible. You really, you can't follow Jesus if you can't hear him. You can't hear Jesus if you don't pray. We talk a lot about, our our small groups regularly ask, what's the Lord saying to you as you read this passage? And uh, some people at first blush are like, what, is it like audible? Am I I didn't hear anything physically. And what we're saying is, what is the Lord saying to you in the Spirit? And so if, you, if you're like, I don't know how to process that, I'm not sure what to do with that, the idea of actually following Jesus is going to seem really impossible. 
you know, I make statements like, and I made it just a, a moment ago, uh, discipleship is fundamentally listen for his voice and do what he says. That's the core of discipleship. Listen for his voice, do what he says. Well, how does we listen for his voice? We listen for his voice in prayer. I want to give you three reasons why I think our life depends on prayer. I want to suggest you prayer is after our salvation, after the cross, prayer is the greatest gift God ever gave us. And when you understand what it is, you'll be like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. Okay, number one, prayer opens the door to communion with the Lord. Our life depends on prayer because it opens the door to communion with the Lord. Matthew 6, 6, when you pray, Jesus said, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. In the Lord's Prayer, just a few verses later, he's going to teach us, here's how we pray. Our Father who art in heaven. This whole thing of ours, don't ever forget, it's, it's a, it begins with a relationship. And if you miss that point, if you think this is just about, okay, I want to be forgiven of my sins because we do bad things and I don't want to go to hell, so I need my death penalty paid, which it is. That's why we believe in the cross, okay? This is awesome, what happened at the cross. This is why our preaching is about the cross. This is why Paul said, I knew nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. But understand something. This is not the center of our religious, our faith. This is not the point of the Christian faith. And some of you are like, we got to get out of the room because lightning's going to strike and he's going to be dead in a minute. And, you know, nobody likes to scrape the pastor off the floor. It's not. That is not the point of the Christian faith. And you need to know this. You need to understand this. You need to be real clear about this. This, the cross, is the essential doorway through which we must go. The point of the Christian faith is restoration of relationship with Father. Thank you, Pastor Sean. You've been listening to Real Life Radio as next week we'll continue this series called Jesus Has Left the Building and Rediscovering the Biblical Jesus as it's available right now as a free download when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. We invite you to do more than just hear but see and do when you join us at River City Community Church located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park you can see all the details, directions, and service times also at reallife.org. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church, we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.